Good morning. September 1988, the first time ever that an a cappella song reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. This song took over the spot from the Guns N' Roses classic, Sweet Child of Mine. And it only held that position on the charts for two weeks. But this song's impact has lasted long after it lost that top spot. Won three Grammys at the 1989 awards, including Song of the Year. And I remember listening to this song, I would have been in fourth grade, on my Walkman on the way home from school. And so I would like to play a clip of this song for you right now. a little song I wrote You might want to sing it note for note Don't worry Be happy In every life we have some trouble But when you worry you make it double Don't worry Be happy Don't worry Be happy now That's right, the song Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin. For a one-hit wonder, this made a pretty big impact uh, in the culture throughout the decades since it was first played on the radio. I mean, a lot of you probably already knew the song that I was talking about, especially if you looked ahead at the title of today's message at all. It's such a feel-good song, right? With lyrics like, ain't got no cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no gal to make you smile. But don't worry, be happy. Which for fourth grade me was so totally true. And for after fourth grade me. This song, though, has become so ingrained in culture. Like one critic wrote at the time, the song will probably remain prevalent in pop culture as long as humans speak English and play music. And which is probably still true. Like when I was looking at the the video for the song, music video on YouTube, it it has 219 million views um, just on YouTube. The song's message, "Don't worry, be happy," it's one that's resonated with millions of people over time because it's a pretty simple message, right? Don't worry, be happy. But is it really that simple? I mean. I would say if you've worried about something, you might not think that it is that easy to just say, don't worry, be happy. In this sermon series we've been in, we've been looking about how we can live a victorious life. 
one free from many of the different trials that we experience every day. And these trials can hinder us. They can keep us shackled. We've looked at three of these so far, and today we're going to look at the trial of worry. But what is worry exactly? I mean, I'm sure we've all felt worried at some point, but how would you define it? Well, I went and looked in the dictionary, and here's how it defines it. The noun worry is a state of anxiety or uncertainty over actual or potential problems. And I think the verb uh, also helps, the definition for the verb also helps us understand it a little bit more clearly, where it is to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. Worry is letting yourself continually continually think about the things that could possibly or might not even ever happen. There's a phrase I've heard recently that I've really come to like. Like Worry is like letting something live rent-free in your mind and letting it take control of that mind. And there are physical effects to worrying. Like It's a mental thing, but it can lead to physical things like fatigue or an inability to concentrate or it'll give you shortness of breath that uh, make you irritable and and even more and if it goes unchecked it can lead to something worse while it might not be as easy as saying don't worry be happy i do believe that you can control your worries one anonymous writer said worry is like a rocking chair it'll give you something to do but it won't get you anywhere And as usual, we're not the first people to deal with worry. In fact, Jesus spent a little bit of time during one of his most important sermons to teach on this lesson as well. And so if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And we want to look at what Jesus says about worry. And so Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 25. Where Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? So Jesus is speaking here in one of the most famous sermons he ever preached, as recorded by his disciple Matthew. And we call this sermon the Sermon on the Mount. And it's one of five pillars that Matthew uses throughout his gospel, uh, through his biography of Jesus, to kind of give it a frame, give it some guideposts along the way. So Jesus is teaching his disciples in this sermon things like his disciples being salt and light on the earth, not hiding but spreading the good news of Jesus, or laying out how they should believe, not simply by following the letter of the law, but even going beyond that in certain cases. Like, for example, the law says not to murder, but Jesus says that you shouldn't even be angry with your brother or sister, or that it's wrong to commit adultery, but if anybody looks lustfully at someone, they have sinned already. That's what Jesus says. Also in the sermon, he tells them to love and to pray for, his, for their enemies. He tells them also not to store treasures for themselves on earth where they can be destroyed, but to store treasures for themselves in heaven where they are eternal. He ends this section saying that they cannot serve two masters, speaking about God and money. If you have God and money, you can't serve both. You can only do one. 
This is how Jesus leads into the passage that we're looking at today. Verse 24 says, you cannot serve both God and money. And then our first verse, verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Worry can be caused by so many different things, but some of the worst are the things that Jesus covers here. One is money. Money can cause a lot of worry. I mean, I was looking at some statistics for debt. And uh, in 2020, the Federal Reserve stated that consumer debt among Americans was roughly $4.2 trillion. And collectively, that's 10% of all Americans' disposable income on things like car loans, student loans, credit card debt. That could cause some worry for you. And then moving on from this, Jesus looks at two different aspects of a person. He kind of focuses on two things where they might worry, their life and their body. And he says not to worry about either of these. Regarding life, Jesus says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Or for the body, what clothes you're going to wear. And food, drink, clothes, these are basic necessities. And for the original audience, many of whom would have been from the poorer classes, just having these things may have been cause for anxiety. But as Jesus points out, Life is more than food. Life is more than clothes or what you're going to wear for the body. Um, the body is more than clothes. There's a little side note here. If you, in, in our passage, when we read it, the NIV translates this as more important. Um, life is more important than food. The body is more important than clothes. There are other translations that you'll, you may see that don't add this. They just simply say life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. For what I can tell from the original Greek, it looks like that is actually probably the better translation of it, the simpler translation. Um, Life is more than food. The body is more than just clothes. And while practically these are important, over time we've given them more importance than they should have. They've been used to signify success for a long time. Like what's the latest style or the designer, the most expensive item or thing that, you know, they can slap a logo on and and it lets you show off your status. Or with food, like where's the most expensive, fanciest restaurant that you can eat at or you can be seen at? You know, the place where they don't give you crayons to draw on the tablecloths. We can can let that kind of stuff creep into us as well and, and it can cause us to worry. But even if we just look at it simply as the basic necessities of food and water and clothing, and we add things like shelter and finances and even more, these can definitely cause stress, which can lead to worry. These are concerning things at times. And it leads to this being a preoccupation in our minds. But Jesus says to change your perspective on things to look somewhere else for comfort, to look to someone else for comfort. To illustrate this, he gives two examples. The first is about birds. Matthew six twenty six. look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Humans, we've been pretty creative over time on how we've acquired food, how we grow, how we learned to grow and harvest and store food for ourselves. 
we seem to be getting more efficient at it. It seems to be a pretty good thing. We've got some farmers here in our congregation as well. And it always amazes me how well some of these things are run and, and even just storing food, how silos are built. I once watched a YouTube video to see how silos were built, which blew my mind as someone who grew up in Indianapolis. I can be amazed by things because I didn't grow up with this. I grew up in a city. Silos were just things that you passed by on the way to another city. Agriculture wasn't really my thing. Probably still isn't. <laughs> but it's a lot of hard work, right, to, to do this, to grow and plant, harvest crops. And, and it seems like there's a certain amount of worrying that could come uh, along with that, especially if you're dependent on the weather for not dumping enough water that you're glad God promised never to flood the earth again um, because sometimes it seems like it might. Just look at last week. But Jesus says we don't need to worry. And he says to look at the birds as an example of this. Because they don't farm. They don't store their food in barns or anything like that. But they are provided for daily. And then Jesus hits his listeners with this question. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable than a bird to God? course you are because you were made in God's image the bird wasn't you were so if God's going to take care of that bird how much more do you think he will take care of you Jesus finishes this example in verse 27 by asking another question who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life Does worrying actually help? Can you actually accomplish anything through worrying? Another way to to translate this would be to add like 18 inches to your height. And I know some people would like that, but it doesn't work that way. Can it do anything to help you in your life? Let's look at the second example that Jesus gives. Flowers. Verses 28 through 30. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Flowers are beautiful when they're blooming, absolutely beautiful. Uh, we were at the, the fair this week, and there were some daisies planted outside one of the buildings, and uh, along with some roses, and they were just so pretty, like super bright yellow and white on the daisies. And, and flowers are so beautiful, but they're so temporary. Jesus says here that God clothes the grass of the fields with greater splendor than one of the most famous and richest kings in Israel's history in Solomon. And yet, these flowers are going to die. They're going to get thrown into the fire for fuel because that's what they did during those times. I mean, God created these flowers to be beautiful, to have so many colors, to to look spectacular, and yet there's such a short life with them when they bloom. And so if God clothes something so well that is so temporary... 
how much more will he take care of you? Again, we look at the importance of you to God. He believes that you are much more important than birds or flowers, but he wants you to believe that too. Truly, he wants you to trust that God sees you as important and will take care of you so you don't have to worry. And that leads to the last five words of this question where he says, Oh, you of little faith. Faith is what this is all about. When we worry, we're almost saying that we don't trust God and that he doesn't have our best interest in mind, but, and, and he won't take care of us. As New Testament scholar Robert Mount says, and I saw this quoted numerous times, but worry is practical atheism. And I don't say that quote lightly. And I'm not saying it's not right to be concerned about things. I think concern is important. But it's when you let it linger, when you let it take root in your mind, when you're continually playing out scenarios over and over in your head, and it starts to debilitate you, it causes you anxiety and stress. These are the things that you want, that you need to give over to the Lord. Because he can handle that. He can handle your worries. He already knows what they are. And he wants you to give them to him. He wants to take that load off of you. And so this leads to the final part of our passage where Jesus shows that we need to live a different life than others. Verses 31 through 32. He says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, when we worry about the same things that unbelievers or pagan believers worry about, that should be a pretty big red flag for us. In the religions of that day, the pagan believers who believed in a God who was different than the Lord of the Israelites, you know, they were afraid of their gods. Not like the healthy fear that we talk about, but literally afraid because they were constantly trying to appease them, to do things for them, so that they would do things for the people, like give them a good harvest, or bring rain, or keep rain, or help them win victories. But they never knew exactly when that was going to happen, so they were afraid. And what about today? What do unbelievers worry about today? What do they run after? Things like, how do I look? How much money do I make? What am I eating? What do people think about me? And as with almost everything that we ever talk about, there's nothing inherently wrong with those things, but it's how we deal with them that gets us into trouble. If it becomes such a preoccupation to lead to worry or anxiety, then that's an issue. If that's what the non-believers are chasing after with all their might, then that's also an issue. And what should we do with that? Well, Jesus answers in verse 33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Look to the Lord's kingdom and his righteousness first, always. Earlier in this sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And in that prayer, one of the things that he talks about is to ask for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we seek God's kingdom, not our own. 
We seek his righteousness, not our own, because we don't really have much. Meaning that we will have a community of believers who make what God sees as important, what we see as important. So we're not as tied to our possessions as we once were. And if there are those who are in need, we take care of them. And finally, Jesus concludes this in verse 34. He says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. With our focus properly fixed on God, there's really no reason to worry. Especially, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's not here yet. (laughs) Today's got enough issues. Every day's got enough problems. It's another reminder as well that we need to continually, every day, just go to the Lord and and have our faith renewed in him. Plenty of uh, sources that will continue to try and get us to worry about them before Jesus returns or we go home to glory. And Satan will use those to try and drive a wedge between you and the Lord. But every day, if we do as Jesus said, every day we take up our cross, we die to ourselves, and then we follow him. And we're not going to have a whole lot of reason to worry. So it's easy to say, don't worry, be happy. It's a lot harder to actually do it, though. In my research, I found a resource with a few things that I think will help us to be able to rid ourselves, a few practical applications that we can put in place to help us relieve ourselves from the pressures of the worries that we have in our lives, the things that we're holding on to. There's six of these, and I'm just going to, we're going to put them up on the screen as well, just so you can jot them down if you'd like, but. The first of these is the most important, is that you're spending time with God every day. It's got to be the first thing that you do. Spend time alone with God every day. Start your day with this time and look ahead to what's coming up throughout your day. What plans you have, what worries you're going to have. And then the second thing is pray about that. Take that to the Lord. God says, give him your worries. In Philippians 4, uh, 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And as we give our worries over to God, Paul then writes that he gives us something that's invaluable in verse 7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul writes that if you have worries that have taken control, taken hold in your mind, then give them to God and he will give you his peace. A peace that is beyond all understanding, human understanding. But you've got to be willing to let go. You've got to be willing to hand it over to him. As one counselor Uh, writes Dr. Rosemary Scotty Hughes. She says, to say that we are willing, or to say that we are waiting on the Lord and then go around with a sense of worry and misery and dread is to contradict the truth. And so pray about your worries. Give them over to God. 
As Jesus said in this passage, you are valuable to him. He will hear your prayers. He will answer your prayers. The third thing is to keep a journal. Keep a prayer journal for the prayers of your worries that you are giving over to the Lord. But don't just stop there, though. Write down answers to those prayers. Because when you start writing down answers, when you see the answered prayers and and you see that in a journal, that's just going to give you even more confidence that God is with you and behind you in all of this. And that he's able to handle your worries better than you could. The fourth thing is to set some boundaries. A German theologian and pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, once wrote, much that worries us beforehand can afterwards quite unexpectedly have a happy and simple solution. Worries just don't matter. Things really are in a better hand than ours. And so we need to set some boundaries. Set some boundaries to help yourself not worry about the things from the beginning. For example... You should work to gather all the facts about something. Because if you know the truth about things, it makes it a lot less worrisome sometimes. Also, if you're somebody like me, you have a hard time making decisions, set some deadlines. Say, I've got to make a decision by this point. Otherwise, it's just going to take root, take residence in your brain, cause you to worry. One of the biggest things for setting boundaries is to learn how to say this very small word. It's a really cool word. It's No. If we need to set boundaries, then we need to know know how to say no to some things. And some people might get upset at you. And some people, honestly, they might even try to make you feel bad and try to manipulate you. But you can't worry about that. And honestly, most people are going to understand if you say no. You can't please everybody all the time. Even with recovering people pleasers. We can't do it. So learn the most powerful word in the English language and set some boundaries. And then think differently about some things. Like try to delegate tasks. Give some things away to people that you trust that you don't have to worry about them getting done. Also, give yourself permission to make mistakes. You're human what we do. (laughs) Eat, sleep, exercise properly, get yourself into some healthy routines, and declutter and organize your life. All of this will help. And then finally, seek balance. We want to walk in peace and calm and trust and assurance. Balancing prayer and action will give you freedom from worry. These steps are some ideas to help you with dealing with worry. Some of you, it will happen. You will worry more than some of us, you know, some others. It does happen that way. But you need to remember, you do have control over this. As one counselor writes, this isn't a character flaw. It's just a built-in reminder to pray and give it to the Lord. And he wants to take this from you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He's cared for you since before you were born. He intimately knows you, and he knows what you need. 
He loves you. And as the loving father that he is, he will bear that burden of your worries so you don't have to. And so give them over to him. He will carry them for you. What are you worried about? Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come here today. Uh, I am sure some of us have some heavy burdens. I'm sure we have things in our lives that, that do cause us to worry. But Lord, you've told us that we can just give that all over to you. And so, Father, I pray that if there is anyone here who needs to do that today, that they would, that you would help soften their hearts, soften the pride that sometimes keeps that, because we think we can handle it. And oftentimes, we can't. But you can. You always could. You've known about these things long before we did. And if we would just trust you and hand these over to you, it would ease our minds, ease our hearts, ease our souls. It's not easy. It can be tough to give up that control, but Lord, we want to do that today. And so we thank you. We thank you that, that Jesus took a lot of that with him to the cross. The sin and the burden we had there. But he took that to the cross and nailed it there as he died for us, for our sin. And today, Lord, we, we just remember that. We remember that he didn't stay there, but the sins did. They were paid for bought with the precious blood of the Lamb in Jesus. So Lord, today we, we ask that you would help us give those worries to you. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Can you stand with us as we close?